It's Friday, January 15th, 2016, and you're listening to episode 389 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 47 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. My name is John. This is Wayne. This is Brodor. Two quick announcements. First off, the Battletech contest is over. We will be getting in contact with the top 20 entries and sending them out their sets of Battletech dice. Uh, So I hope you gave me a real email address because I will hit you up via email, give you about a week or so to respond to me, at which point I will move to the next person down the list. So a big thanks to everyone that sent in their ideas and also to everyone that got out there and voted on them. And I will leave that up for a while. So if anyone actually wants to use that for game inspiration, uh, then even if the contest is over, you know, the plot ideas might still be useful to you. So I will leave that out there. Dan, are you going to post them somewhere so people can see who won? Yes, I will do that. I will also do that. I will post. I don't have the list in front of me, but I will post the list of the winning ideas uh, with the show notes, or if not with the show notes, then at least in the forum discussion area for the show. So you can see which one's won. And if you see the title of your scenario in there, then you know to be watching your mailbox for pseudo spam from me. 20 is a deep payout. That's a lot yeah. of winners. Yeah, well, that's what Fear the Boot's about. We believe that not quite everybody, but at least 20 individuals in this world are winners. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the second thing is for two episodes, Chad talked about Blades in the Dark and apparently generated a little more interest than we expected would occur. And so the individual that made the game, John Harper, has now decided to kind of change things around. So what he's got going on right now is you can go out and you can purchase an early access copy of Blades in the Dark from DriveThruRPG, and I will put a link to this in the show notes. Now, if you're like, why would I want to purchase an early copy of Blades in the Dark? Well, it comes with a, I guess we'll call it a warranty or a guarantee. I'm not sure what the right word would be. But it comes with this guarantee where if you buy it, you will continue to receive free upgrades to the game as he releases it to his Kickstarter backers, all the way up to and including the finished product. So when the game is 100% done, signed, sealed, and delivered, it's yours. I will be put a link to that in the show notes. If you want to check out that game Chad was talking about, Blades in the Dark, then go out there and grab this. And once again, you will be covered all the way through the final product. So you're not just paying for early access, then you'll have to buy it again once the game is complete. All righty. So today's topic, Wayne, take it away. So I was trying to figure out what I wanted to run at DrewCon. And we've mentioned DrewCon before. It's the convention that some of the previous attendees of Fear the Con since we're not running a Fear the Con this year, they're running their own convention, you know, DrewCon. Yes, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So if you want to check out DrewCon, it's coming up in June at a Drury Inn here in St. Louis. I'll put a link to that in the show notes if you want to see that. And I hope you guys will attend. So I got to think about what do I want to run? I started a poll and I just kind of listened to some feedback. And I realized one of the things I think has always been in the back of my head that I want to run is a Power Rangers game. Because like a lot of things, I have a lot of nostalgia for Power Rangers. I know the show itself isn't particularly good, but I like the concepts of it. Just like Voltron. Voltron's a horrible show, but I love the concept of it. 
So I was trying to figure out, well, how would I run this? And I'm thinking about different systems. I'm thinking about I could do it something like Fate or something like Savage Worlds or something. And I realized that none of them are hitting everything I'm looking for. Because when I think about Power Rangers, I think about it breaking down into different categories. You've got the teen slash social drama. That needs to be a part of it. Otherwise, you're not getting the feel. You've got the ridiculous over-the-top fighting. That has to be a part of it, or you're not getting the feel. And if you're working with hit points, you're really missing the whole point of a Power Rangers fight. There's not hit points. There's yeah, just sparks. It's been 20 years, but I don't recall a single Power Ranger ever getting hit hard, much less actually hurt, like, ever. Exactly. And then, to top all of that off, you have to have giant robot fights. Wayne, can I pause you right here yep. just to save you a whole bunch of emails and comments have you seen the gritty reimagining of Power Rangers with Katie Sackhoff in it? Yes, I have. Okay, there you go. <laughs> the, the what? Send it to Brodor at feartheboot.com, which is a real address now. So there you go. If you yeah. want to bombard somebody yes. with the gritty reimagining of Power Rangers, yes. send it yes. to Brodor at feartheboot.com. The it is actually us. really cool. You should yeah. get a watch. But that's not the feel I'm going for. No, no. I, going I, I, I was just trying to show. save you an avalanche of communication. Yeah. So the final part of it is the big giant robot. And one thing I've always struggled about when I'm thinking about how I would do the big giant robot fight yeah. is that you have five people around the table that have come together to form the big giant robot. Yeah. How do you keep that going? How do you keep it from being boring when they're controlling the same thing? Well, you can keep them in their own zords. If I recall correctly, they occasionally didn't form Megazord. They like would go out as the Triceratops and the Tiger and like flank somebody and beat him up that way. But, yeah, that, was but that was super, super rare. lame. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was kind of right. cool. Well, it all led up to forming the Megazord to Most fight of the time. If you want to run something that is elementally 1995 Power Rangers, you you have to have Megazord at the yes. end. I will concede. Yeah, that. I, and I have a solution for that, at least a proposed solution for that. But Wayne, if I understood your general question yes. from when we were setting this topic right. up. So this, this all comes to my question of, at this point, I've decided no system does all of this. Okay. And I've even looked at some of the systems that come close to it, things like, you know, some of the anime-based systems, yeah. like Besom and things, that have individual components, but nothing quite reaches what I want. So I'm thinking, I'm just going to make something for this. That's where my question is, how do you go about taking a property that you love and creating a system to represent that property. Okay, here's my recommendation. And this is based at least loosely on the process that I used to do my own homebrew for Transformers. Now, when I did a homebrew for Ultima, it was a bit easier because of the fact that Ultima already has an established game system. You have the cards that determine which of the virtues you most represent. You have the three basic stats. You have the, the components to the magic spells. And if you like having good stats, you better pick honesty so you're a paladin. Well, <laughs> and it's just like if I ever ran the Fallout game I've thought about doing, I could use the special Special, stats. yeah. You already have special. And if you're talking about any game other than Fallout 4, you have a skill system, whereas in Fallout 4 they use a pure perk system. But the point being that if you look at something like Power Rangers or something like Transformers, there was not an established game system for it that comes as an intrinsic part of the product. Yes, you could find third-party things or fan-made things, 
which I'll come back to here in a second, because I think those do have value, but that wasn't part and parcel of what you were picking up. I've seen the fan-based Pokemon game. I think that's a very well-put-together system. I've seen the fan-based Power Rangers game, and it's not. I can't comment on those games specifically, because I haven't messed with them, but I don't doubt that's the case, or I don't doubt you found things that were lacking. I think something that did help me a little bit with Transformers was you had the stat cards on the back of the box. Now, that does not give you a system, but it does at least give you a sense of how things scale, you know, because it puts everything on a 1 to 10 scale. Now, of course, you still have some problems with that because if you get a regular Transformer, like let's say Bumblebee, he's on a 1 to 10 scale, but then so is a giant Transformer like Omega Supreme or Devastator. They're on that same 1 to 10 scale. And so you, there's still some issues to overcome. Yeah, and like what I know you had to deal with, Devastator isn't one robot. No. It's a six. combination. Yeah, so. Devastator 6. And most of the combiners or mergers or whatever you prefer to call them were 5. But Devastator and a couple others were 6. And so you had some issues to deal. So I actually have some thoughts specifically for your Zord. All right, but let me give you a process that I think can help you tackle this. All right, so I'm going to give you a procedure here. The first thing that I would do is I would take a piece of paper and I would write down your dirty dozen. And your dirty dozen here is I want you to write down no more than 12 things that you consider to be the central things that this game needs to represent. Okay, for example, if I was going to talk about Transformers, because I'm a big fan of Gen 1, one of the first things I might put down is Energon is a finite managed resource. So you have to control how much fuel and how much life force your individual Transformer has. Okay, so as an example for me then, I would say my number one is fluid combat that doesn't have to represent every single hit you know and that's something that i thought too is i didn't watch a whole lot of power rangers i'm a child of the 80s more than the 90s but one thing that i do remember from what i have seen of it is the combat actually reminded me a lot of pro wrestling insofar that it wasn't about the damage you were doing it was about the inertia you had yeah it was about building up this momentum of hit upon hit upon hit upon hit upon big finisher is how you defeat somebody. And if you don't make it all the way down the chain, then the other person slowly starts to recover and pull themselves back together and, and get a second wind. And so that's one of the things you could go after is saying, well, okay, I want to have combat be more fluid and more based on some kind of, of inertia or whatnot, as opposed to being based on whittling down hit points. Uh, something else I looked at Transformers is, of course, this is about giant robots. And so there has to be something that distinguishes them in scale from the human world around them. Another one that I would be in my dirty dozen is obviously they transform and transforming has to represent some kind of benefit. Otherwise, there's no reason to transform. Why would you be a robot versus being a plane versus being a car if these different forms did not communicate some kind of benefit to you. So one thing I thought about kind of along some of those lines about what makes this unique property was I was thinking about the characters themselves and going back to the original one, I wanted to make sure that I had in their teenage personas, they needed hobbies 
and they needed a reason that they're able to fight. And I was actually debating about having this be something that at the table people roll up. So like, I'll have a chart and you roll a die. One. Okay. One is the, the Kung Fu dancing. Proper yeah. nouns are long, long lost so, to the like, shrouds one of, them, of one childhood of the, dementia. We'll go the easy route. One is a gymnast. <laughs> okay. Right. So, yeah, I mean, somebody played football. Somebody was a gymnast. Somebody was a nerd. Like, you could just roll off of the Breakfast Club character class table <laughs> to generate Act 1 Power Rangers if you exactly. really wanted to. Exactly. And I was like, kind of saying, having the kind of the charts of that for the... And people roll up. Okay, well, yeah. my, one of my hobbies is In fact, you should run exactly this. that. Winnitka, Illinois, 1986. <laughs> one of my hobbies is this. Was that I, a John Hughes movie? Yes, it was. Yeah. I was going to say, you have the John Hughes archetypes, if yes, that's where you want to go. It was wealthy white children having Northern Illinois problems. <laughs> I also <laughs> thought about having like connections between the two. Your character is secretly in love with... Roll a die. Three. Judd Nelson. <laughs> If I no get, secret. If I get anyone Indeed. but Amy Jo Johnson, I'm out. So, uh, but that's no, fair. But no, I, I think you can still go through and you can get that dirty dozen together. Of you have to have some kind of a life outside of the combat. The combat has to be based on inertia, as opposed to whittling somebody down. There has to be the inclusion of the element of the Zords or the robots that they use. But what you do is you try and distill what are the things that really make this bit of fiction appeal to you? What is it that really sets this apart from other bits of fiction? What is it that attracts you to it? And I don't really recommend going over 12, because I think if you've gone that far, you're not distilling it anymore. You're regurgitating it. And conversely, I think if you get too short, I don't think you've really described it. And so I realize Dirty Dozens is an awfully specific number here, but you know I think more realistically you need to be somewhere in the 5 to 15 range, probably edging more up towards like the 8 or 9 to whatever. You know, you need enough descriptors that you can fairly set this apart so you're not being so vague that the terms could mean anything, but at the same time you're not just dissecting this into each of its little minuscule components that may not exactly matter. Like, well, there has to be five of them as opposed to what, well, why can't there be four or six or seven or something like that? Oh, there's got to be a sixth stranger. Well, yeah, who's got to be the outsider. And maybe that's what you put in there is there's that sixth ranger who's the outsider. The was it the black ranger? The original no, was green the green, ranger. the green ranger. Okay. And Jason. You'll have to excuse me. Tommy on this. Oh, Tommy. Yeah, because once go. again, I I didn't watch the show. So. In fairness, the actor's name is Jason David Franks. That's probably what I was thinking. He's and dreamy. I believe you've met him in the last five years. Yeah, a couple times. <laughs> a couple times. And I, I think also the way you describe these items is important as well, because if when you put them down, they are so vague or so in- inclusive, they don't really become actionable. You know, if I say something like, well, Transformers has to just be about robots well what the hell does that mean you know wally's a robot terminator's a robot optimus prime is a robot i think it needs to be a little more detailed than that so you might put down something like well these are large robots with distinct personalities or something like that or large robots from an alien civilization you know or put something down that's a little bit more actionable without being so specific that it also becomes limiting and it's in a different way like putting down well optimus prime Okay, well, that's great, but that really, I mean, you can take Optimus Prime out of the equation 
And yes, we'd all miss them, but you can still have a Transformers game. This is what I was hoping for out of the advice is I can use this also for other properties. I have a ton of properties I've always thought about doing something with. And that's what I'm really hoping for is that all this advice will be generic enough that anyone can take a property. Yeah. I mean, like Star Wars is a game that's out there, but let's say there wasn't a Star Wars. You could do the same thing and sit there and come up with sure. what are the 12 things that define Star Wars to me? Yes, absolutely. And I think it's kind of telling that Fantasy Flight, having designed the current RPG, Fantasy Flight loves to over-engineer and over-productize everything they do. And don't get me wrong, Fantasy Flight produces some great stuff, but I think it was very, very telling that when they took the game, Bounty Hunter and Jedi ended up in separate books. The two most likely things people were going to want to play in Star Wars had to end up in separate books. Yeah, but they almost have to end up in separate universes. That was their answer to the Jedi knot of all Star Wars alternate RPG storytelling, which is the Jedi are more powerful than the stormtroopers and the other good heroes even. What do you do? You play know. Jedi. That, that, just, that is one you, of the fantasy flight answers. Just, you just, you, we we you, all play a Jedi. The the third installment of the FFG Star Wars game, right. that is literally yep. the answer. Like, stop fighting it and either all be smugglers or all be Jedi. You just end. embrace. And right. that's actually a pretty good answer. So I, I have my own thoughts on that, but I don't want to sidetrack this too much. Okay. But Wayne, what I would then do with that dirty dozen is you've got to make a choice. Either you are going to take an existing product that you feel can come close enough to fulfilling each of these items. This is something, Wayne, I know you're familiar with. I'll explain it for the audience that isn't. But there's something in technology called a use case. And what a use case basically is, is you des- when you're describing a project, you say, these are the possible things that could need to be done. And then you say, how do I do them? Okay, so for example, if I have a system for banking, one of the use cases might be, well, somebody needs to log in. And when they log in, of course, it needs to be secure. And so then we answer the question of, well, how are we going to do this? Another use case might be, I want to check my account balance. And so we say, well, how are you going to do this? And in the same way, I think this dirty dozen becomes your use cases. These are the things the game has to be able to represent. And so you've got one of two options. Either you can say, well, I'm going to take an existing system and I'm going to go down and see, can it at least come close to fulfilling everything I've got here. If so, and if you're comfortable with that, and this is probably going to mean cutting some corners or accepting some just-so solutions in a few places, then roll with it. Uh, Doubly so if you don't want to accidentally overburden yourself with work you're not going to get done. The other option is you start shopping a little bit more individually. So you get down to an item of, well, I want to deal with the Zord combat, the big robot combat. Well, maybe I can't find that in a complete system, but maybe I can find a game system out there that just has something I like specifically for that piece of the game, and I'm going to adapt that. Or maybe I can't find it anywhere, and so I need to define it a little bit better and write it myself. Or failing that, look, folks on the Internet love to think about role-playing games And in many cases, people have already solved these problems. I think there's value in simply stating, I'm working on a 
game for Power Rangers, how would you guys handle the Zord combat? And what would you do to deal with it? And I think those are your, your three options is find a system, create a system or start asking around for advice, but deal with it once again, not at the whole of the system, because that's option one. So we're dealing with this in pieces of how do you fulfill that one specific requirement? So one of the big concerns for me for the Zord combat to keep it interesting is the fact that these combine into the one big one. And I don't want to yes. have people have nothing to do. I was debating around that, and I started looking at a few other systems with that in mind. So one of the ones I looked at, I thought about uh, Star Trek. Mm-hmm. You know, how you do the Star Trek map combat, sure. where so everyone has a role that they do. System management. Exactly. So I thought about maybe doing something like that. I also thought about taking something like uh, Everyone is John. Well, let me tell you the solution that I use in Transformers. Because when you look at the combiners, as they are described within the canon of Generation 1. So you look at Bruticus, Devastator, Menasaur, all, you know, all the different ones that, that were created by multiple robots forming into a new robot. There were typically three ways that larger robot was governed. One was there was a single controller. For example, if memory serves, I believe Devastator was controlled by Hook. So one guy takes over and controls the whole thing. Fine for fiction, yep, but not yeah. so great for a role-playing game. So the second possibility was that there was a distinct intellect so that when they merged, let's say there were five Transformers in the merger, a sixth mind emerged. Or I shouldn't say emerged, but I should simply say was activated. Something now, like that could actually work with everyone is John, where the the <laughs> personality parts are all vying for that. Well, hold on. that That's solution three. What you're describing there is solution three. Because that solution, that middle solution, solution two, would be more like, you have five people playing the parts of the Zord, and when they merge, you grab a sixth person to play just the Zord, which also, once again, might be okay for fiction, not where you want to go with a role-playing game. But the solution that I found worked best for Transformers when they were playing a combiner was they became a collective. And this is how some of the combiners worked in the canon. They had to agree amongst themselves what they were doing. And so you could do something like, from the way I run Star Trek, you give them five or ten seconds to discuss it. And at the end of that, everyone takes a note card and writes down what they're doing or what they think the collective should do. Run forward, run backwards, shoot at this guy, whatever it is they want. They pass those cards into you and then you look them over and try to see has consensus emerged. So, for example, let's say you have an even number of people. You have six people. And let's say three of them say run forward, three of them say run back. Well, you know what? It stands there in indecision that turn. Whereas if four of them say run forward and two of them say run back, well, maybe you make slow forward progress. Uh, If they can all agree they want to attack something but can't agree what, then maybe they don't fire. Maybe they do fire. But you, once again, let's say there's six of them. Four of them say shoot A, two of them say shoot B, roll D6. One through four, they shoot A, five and six, they shoot B. But I think that's a way to keep everyone involved and keep some kind of tension going and also gives you some fun because of the fact that you can take that and interpret it. And if you're looking for a system where the inertia of the battle matters more than whittling down the hit points, this gives you a great ability to get in there and BS the flow of battle a bit. 
where if it's slowing down or going too fast, you can kind of start interpreting this a little bit differently uh, to determine, I'll take something from my childhood, whether they form Blazing Sword and finally get around <laughs> to cutting it in half. Oh, my God, it's talking about crappy shows. So <laughs> I, it, when, when you first brought this up, my, my initial instinct was to do something like the Star Trek combat where each person has an individual system that they yeah. control. I like what Dan's saying in terms of we have uh, we're, we're going to govern by consensus and we're going to have a limited time frame to put a card down. The other thing that I was thinking is that each particular turn of the action, one person's in charge. So you just ah. pass the torch of control to, okay, round three, Wayne, what is the robot or the Zord or whatever it's called? What does it do? All right, great. Resolve, blah, blah, blah. Round four, John, you're in control. What's happening That's now? That's a clever way around. If it's fast. Right. It's all going to be based. Yeah, time frame will be yeah. essential. Because, yeah, yeah I, I, we all know how long a round of combat can go in a lot of games. We just get a 30-second egg timer and you're just done. Yeah. Your decision is made. And, well, or the maybe, fights are one-on-one robots, and they right. don't have spell lists that go all the way up to ninth right. level. Their moves are like punch and kick. Right. Or maybe they have like a sound attack or something. Right. Like one gimmick the bad guys have. Right. Megazord doesn't even have any gimmicks. Megazord punches you until you die. <laughs> <laughs> it punches you until it forms sword. And well, then that's true. That's true. That's true. Right. It does. It does form. It does have that one trick. Yeah. One it essentially gets forms, forms blazing sword. sword. So it does form yeah. blazing sword. Yeah. Okay. yeah. They have a bridge. They all stand on the bridge. They have no consoles and no controls. <laughs> I don't know what they do on that bridge except stand there. <laughs> Some of the newer ones they've had consoles, but they're all really cheesy. <laughs> I'm remembering this through so the like, sands of time. But if I recall correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, wrong Wayne. In the original, they had a bridge, but they just stood there. They was generally they would just empty. stand there. Yeah. Well, and I think you could still involve everyone, even if you pass the torch. I'll say, okay, you guys have five or ten seconds, but John has the torch this round. So at the end of that five or ten seconds, you've got some time to make a quick case to John, but then John's going to make the call. Mm-hmm. And then you pass it to the next I person. make the call. So <laughs> on the next round, five or ten seconds of you guys yelling at me, and then I make the call, and then Brodo makes the call, and then whatever. But I think there's a couple ways you could do it there, but... To your question, that was specifically how I dealt with it in Transformers. You know, I did not even think about taking the what I'd use for Star Trek to apply to that of breaking the Zord down into multiple systems. I was thinking like one it of has them, movement, it has attack. Exactly. One it, of them would have defense. Yeah. Block and defense could be I, I didn't watch the show once again, so I don't know if that's blocking or if that's did it have like a physical shield it could hold up or something or uh not the original Megazord. The Dragonzord did when it went into battle form, and the Dragon Megazord had a shield. So, okay, so there you go. Maybe somebody controls the shield and and picks what kind of attack they're going to anticipate. Something else you could do to speed this up is you could take those note cards, if you go that route of consensus, and maybe go kind of uh, steal a little bit from Apocalypse World, where you have a finite number of actions, and say, like, okay, here's your movement track, and you've got, I don't know, four or five basic movements. Move towards the enemy, move away from the enemy, evade in place, duck for cover, whatever. But you only have like four or six of these. And then for the attack, same thing. You want to attack, you want to go full defense, you want to do this, you want to do that, and maybe a little blank where you write in who you're directing it at. But you have something where it doesn't take, because good God, it could slow the game down if you've got a slow rider 
or somebody who, instead of giving you six words, is going to give you six sentences. <laughs> and so it says, she's like, look, check this box, check that box, write in a name, hand it to me, and then I'm going to try and make some sense out of that. Yeah, actually, I like that. If you have, if you have each person has the system that they control, and then you have little checkbox things, and each person has a stack of papers, and for your system, you have, you know, you have limited actions, and you have to check which ones, and then you turn them in, and then you throw that down on the table, and you can use that to inform the narrative for that, for the rest of that particular round. So that could also really lead into, let's say you have multiple attacks. So then you get the card, you put them out, This there's going to do a punch, a kick, a block. You can then put that into narrative form of the combat. Right. I hadn't thought about that. I kind of like that idea, too, because I yeah. like anything that puts that narrative control to be a lot of punching, kicking movements happening very quickly. Looping this back around to, you know, my original thought on the whole Dirty Dozen thing is I think part of the problem that happens when people try to adapt a game to a system or to create a system for a setting that they like is that they really haven't taken the time to exactly define, to force themselves to sort out mentally what even defines that setting to them. Yeah, a lot of the problems I've seen with fan systems that I've looked at, because I've looked at a lot of them for a lot of different properties, and too many of them, for me, fall down the basic rabbit holes of a system should let you attack and wheedle down numbers. When the property they're looking at, that isn't a fit for. Right. Some properties, that'd be a perfect fit for. But some properties, hit points and just generic attacks don't really fit. Well, and that's why I'm thinking, Wayne, I'm going to go back to wrestling. I know I've played a couple wrestling games that did use something more like a hit point type system or a stamina type system. But the narrative of wrestling has always been about who's in control of the situation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you might have the surprise upset or something like that, but it's always been about chaining things together and then trying to, if you're on the receiving end, break that chain. If you're on the giving end, keep it going until they're just done. There's got to be somebody out there that's written a system like that. Yeah, and I hadn't thought about that until you mentioned it. I'm going to start looking out there at the various wrestling systems and see if there's something I can steal the combat portion for. Because I'm sure that won't have the teenage drama aspect of it yeah. that I'm looking for. Both the teenage drama aspect, what about one of the games like Buffy or uh, was Monster Hearts? I mean, I know there are games out there that even if there's not a detailed system for it, there should be enough there that you can kind of cherry pick out some things that would make that fun. That well, would give it enough system to... I own like six systems that are based on uh, Japanese properties and like half of them... Are all revolve around uh, high school, so right. I'm, I can take some components from those. And one of them isn't X-rated. Uh, none of them are X-rated. <laughs> I, had to, I had to think. None of those are X-rated. I, I knew you were thinking none of them are or none of them aren't. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know which are. one you were going to say. No, kind of sad. I own School Days. I own uh, School Girl, the RPG. Of course you do. I own Tenchi Muyo, the RPG. Uh, naturally. Uh, I actually Benzo. know that one. From Toonami, again, almost as long ago as Power Rangers now, as relative time goes, although it was 
six or seven years later. It, it probably goes without saying, but I think that the most important part is not the system. It's that you, the game creator, have immersed yourself in the world of the Power Rangers and that you're bringing Power Rangers flavor. Yeah. And I think that the, the system, I mean, I think it's true of all role-playing games that the system The bad is, guy has to have the innate ability that no matter how big he is, if he hides behind a tree, he cannot be seen. <laughs> Even with 75% of a dangling on the other side of the tree, if he's behind the tree, you don't see it. Well, like, a, like a ninja in tech. You know, I, I mean, that could be one of your dirty dozen, is concealment and retreat ought to be easy. That the choice to not fight, or not fight yet, or not fight anymore, all have to be easy. And I don't know how the plot went in Power Rangers. It sounds like it stole from the exact same tradition that Voltron stole from, which yeah. is a bad guy shows up, they go out and fight the bad guy using the exact same plan they do every time. It doesn't work. They retreat, regroup, and then go attack the bad guy using the plan that works every time, form Blazing Sword, which you eventually just start to wonder why they didn't lead off with this. But, you know, hey. I have to look it up. I'm actually not sure which is older. Voltron or the original Super Sentai because Power Rangers wasn't the first Super Sentai it wasn't the first season of it it was no it was old by the time yeah. Power Rangers got imported if I recall correctly one of the two ripped the other one off right I just don't know which one for sure I mean at the end of the day we know how this is going to go there's going to be teen drama there's yes. going to be little fight where we fight individually and then there's going to be big fight where we fight as robot right yep. yes. so and we all know how it's going to end at its heart does the system really matter as much as the flavor and the narrative and getting everybody involved to me I don't want the system to break the flavor gotcha I've seen that happen before when systems involve like hit points and things like that, when the narrative doesn't fit for it. And I'm not bad mouthing hit points. Like a lot of properties I would want hit points for. If I run Fallout, I want hit points for yes. it. That makes sense. But for a Power Rangers, it doesn't. And just knowing if I hit you seven times, you're going to die. Doesn't right, because fit. we we know no one's going to die, right? Right. So exactly. so what what is the what is the consequence of so, taking an impact other than being removed momentarily from well, the encounter? Well, so that might be a dirty dozen thing. Is nobody genuinely gets injured or dies? That's a question now. How do you represent that? What does that look like when it occurs in the game? Are they forced into retreat? Are they subdued? Is it one of a couple different possible outcomes? Yeah. That one of the tropes has always been when they're defeated, the um, if the Megazord is defeated, it breaks into the smaller robots and they're thrown out. If they're defeated, they demorph. That's always been one of the, the big tropes they deal with. So you could incorporate a defeat mechanism. If you get clocked, you demorph. You don't die, but you suck again and you're kind of out of the fight. Yeah. Is it possible that some properties, Power Rangers definitely among them, are so viciously formulaic in, in their iterations that there's very little room to have a game where you have meaningful impact? The teen drama changed from episode to episode, mm -hmm. and the shtick of the bad guy changed from episode to episode. Uh, but other than the monster design and what was going on at high school... The same exact same thing yep. happened every time. It's how do you game that way when you've resigned to doing it all in just well, such a fashion? That's the thing. I'm not looking to do a campaign. I was going to say I'm looking yeah. to do a one shot. Okay, it, it so for the but one, even as a one shot, you're for the so one shot. Railroaded. 
but it's all about it's like a roller coaster what is the interesting ability that this particular monster has right what is the overall plot you're working with for the one shot yeah and i think a lot of people when they do something like this they tend to go down the well let's darken it up and make it more serious no no, no you don't want to do that i don't want to do that everyone's done that it's boring as hell yes you know going in there's going to be a formula but as a one shot i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing Okay. I would still have a lot of fun. I, I'm with Wynn on that. It's like riding a roller coaster. It's stuck on the rails. If you know anything about the roller coaster, you know exactly where it's going to go. You sure as hell would not want to ride it all day unless you're trying to set some kind of record. But you could still get that thrill out of that ride, you know, if that's your thing. I, I certainly think that game would be very difficult for someone like me to play because of the fact that I don't know Power Rangers. I wouldn't get any thrill out of playing that. But I think if you get someone who either also shares that nostalgia or is just, I don't know, a bit less strictly minded than I am. I don't know what the right word is I'm looking for here. But you, you get someone who's just kind of more go with it and, and just have fun with it, doesn't really care. Uh, then I think you could get one spin out of it. I'm with you in that yeah. I don't think this is not going to be a six month or six year campaign. No, you could take the concepts and make a campaign out of it. But it would need a lot of changes. No, no, no. And I'm not arguing that. You guys are kind of refuting a point I didn't make. I, I'm wondering if even in the context of one four-hour game, are you going to be able as a GM to at least put a multi-tracked rail out there for the gamers to game with? Or is even that kind of beyond the point? Are you oh, just for saying, me, definitely. Whatever they, whatever they want to do, I roll with. Okay, so you're going to let the players break the script if they oh, want. Oh, yeah. Okay, all right, never mind. I'm back on board. <laughs> no, I, I'm setting up the world and giving them the system. Okay. If they want to break script and not follow the formula from the show, oh, all right. I'm cool oh, with well, that. I'll run up. with it. So Excellent. if Rita Repulsa shows up to give a bad guy speech and they decide just in plain street clothes to curb stomper right there. Yeah, I'll roll with it. I'm okay. cool with that. That's outstanding. <laughs> yeah, it would drastically change everything I have planned, and I don't mind that, especially for a con game. I love being completely blown away that somebody did something that I didn't expect and have to rethink the entire second part of the game. I don't know that I would have the same enjoyment of that out of regular campaign, you know, and but in a con game, I love it. I, and I think that is something worth noting about this Dirty Dozen idea I keep coming back to is that these ought to be describing the intellectual property, not how it has to be played. Right. I the, want to describe this as the feel yeah, that you're getting. When I'm not describing how they do it. Uh, yeah. If, if they find a way to wipe out the monster, wipe out the bad guy, without ever, you know, forming Blazing Sword, we're going yeah. with I'll, it. I'll tell you when I'm morphing. As soon as I hear this goddamn song, morphs and punches. I'm not killing it. 19 different giga monsters only to get kicked around in school by bulk and skull. I actually already figured out what their NPCs are going to do. Excellent. Because you got to realize it. So my write-up for this particular game was that it's going to be after the original series, not after all of the subsequent series or anything, but it's about uh, 10, 20 years, 15, however long I had it set afterwards. So the book and skull are adults at this point. Okay. They have a life and our NPCs and yes. I have plans for them, but they have to be in it. They both watch George McFly's truck. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they run a detailing service. <laughs> That's terrible. That is terrible. 
I, the Back I, to the Future image of, of a subversion of your socioeconomic status is the <laughs> ultimate vindication <laughs> of success. I reduced you, you to yes, a blue light, yes. blue collar worker. I, 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 have, I have altered time, and the trophy that I got out of it is that my parents now make 20000 more 80s dollars than they did before I went back. <laughs> and you got a truck. Triumph. Yeah. <laughs> you got yeah. a truck out of it. Yeah, you got a truck yeah. out of it, yeah. and the villain. Yes. He the, went from a middle manager at some undescribable whatever company to, to, to someone who works labor. in a, a physical trade. Yeah. And that is just the most unrecoverable humiliation worthy of all of our derision. You're right. I, I love it. What I what love is that doing in the 80s. What I love <laughs> is that his parents make so much more money, but they have the same house. Right. If they can make enough money to have these multiple cars and all that, wouldn't they have a nicer house? You're right, Jeff. They have nicer is, furniture. It, yeah, it, it becomes nicer on the inside. It but I would from, expect them to be in a nicer neighborhood. they live neighborhood. in the same neighborhood in the same... You're right, I, You know, what I took away from that, I think when I watched it as a kid, was the inversion was the power dynamic. Yes. That it went from... Right, and that was, of course, the point. It went from George reporting to Biff to Biff ultimately being accountable to George... But I never thought about the fact that it's not the same company with right. like jobs flip. Right. He goes into another line of work. Yes. And his ultimate humiliation is doing a completely honest and hard day's work as a blue collar laborer. Exactly. And uh, that no, no, no. is the purgatory of the 80s. Honest work. Because remember, because he tried to only put on one coat. Exactly. He <laughs> <laughs> was a now cheater to Biff, the last. I, I just started the second coat. Yes. <laughs> and what did he do once he got that power back? Went back and made a bunch of money and bought out the Plaza Casino in Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't really fix his life. Didn't really change anything other than the accidental effects of giving himself a pot of money. Just got more money. He married the person he wanted to and killed his rival. That, yeah, he did commit murder. <laughs> There was that. Yes. <laughs> that rapscallion, he doesn't do the second coat of wax, and he kills right, people. Right, 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 right. I, I guess there was a lingering sense of he deserved all the bad things that happened to him. But still, like, like, come on. If you're going to punish him, drop poop on his head again. Don't be like, look at people that are in the working class. They're losers. <laughs> that was one of the final thoughts of Back to the Future. Well, and that's the horrible that's thing terrible. about future Marty. He's a working class See, person. John, this is why I need people like you that are about a decade younger than I am. Because this kind of like cultural awareness, it just wasn't a thing in the 80s, right? You just didn't look at that and be like, huh, that's really offensive. Right. You just didn't, I mean, you didn't have that lens to see it through. And, and as a 10-year-old, I didn't stand up from the movie being offended by that. Of course, the point of that part of the story is to say that George is in charge now and Bill is subservient. Right, right. Biff is subservient, but but it's like... Biff has now been challenged and put in his place, so he lost his confidence. Yes, yes. George gained his confidence because yes. he had a lucky shot. And when things go off the rails in the future timeline, it is Marty losing his double-tie television screen and fax machine office job that is the true disaster. This is the ultimate Reaganite dystopia utopia. You lose your soul-sucking office yes. job. You lose your chance to work with Flea over the Apple FaceTime app and Mr. Takashi or whatever his name. Your invariably Japanese boss yes, terminates yes. you. Yes. Oh, good God. That was something that I absolutely remember Neelix. from... from Was his name Neelix? 
Uh, no, uh, Needles. Needles. Needles was Flea's name, and the the boss never got a first name. But that is Mr. something Yakamoto I remember quite well from all the science fiction of the 80s and to a lesser extent the 90s, was that Japan controls the world. Oh, right, right, right. And, of course, that was before the Pacific Economic Collapse right, right, right. of the, the middle to later 90s that completely changed that power yes. dynamic. And Everybody thinks that their current economic trough climber plateau will extend forever yes and then they could just plot their recent memory of trend and that they'll get an image of 50 years from now in stark clarity however nice or nasty that will be is and of course it never happens with the exception of some people who predicted like cell phones and stuff even they didn't make broad sweeping predictions about national dominance of the global economy i don't know so, Wayne, is there anything else on the subject? Because I and this is one where I hope anyone listening to the show who has tinkered around with a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers game or has some ideas for Wayne will come back and have something to say. And Wayne, I hope okay. that you will go back and at least on the forum, since you don't have control over the show notes, post once you get it worked out, post your list of that eight to 15 items of what it is you think you need to represent. Yeah, I would to love to the, do that and see what other people think that 12 would be. Or, oh, yeah, that'd be interesting, too, to see what other people who are familiar with it. Once again, I'd be a terrible pick for this. But people who have watched the show quite a bit to see what they have to say about it. I think that uh, an important one is the budding sexuality of knowing that I don't know why I like the Pink Ranger, but I do. That's definitely right. <laughs> oh, I knew why I like the Pink Ranger. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I, I was old enough in the 90s to know that I was watching the show for oh, yeah. her. Sure. What are you weighing now? 33, 34? 35. You were on the other end of a couple very important years when Power yep. Rangers came out, uh, as opposed to me. And it didn't matter who the Pink Ranger was, because when it changed over to Cat, she was still hot, too. Mm -hmm. I'm of the opinion that your, selling, your enthusiasm for it, mm -hmm. and your selling it, and your immersing yourself in sort of the Power Rangers mythos is far more important than what mechanic system that you Absolutely. use. Absolutely. Especially if you're doing it just as a one-shot at a show. And of course, I plan on having things around the table too, and having something to be their morphers. Because I'm not going to do. Oh my god, I want a morpher. Yeah, because I don't want to just do the simple. Let's recreate the first season thing. I will be coming up with my own power sources that they're using, so it's not going to be the original Triceratops, you mm -hmm. know, Tyrannosaurus, Triceratops, Sabertooth Tiger, Mastodon, Pterodactyl. Pterodactyl. It'll be something new. The Zords will be new. I just don't know what yet. I've been kind of debating on that, about what would be an interesting sources. Well, you need to play the Balkan Skull theme, and if you summon Dragonzord, you better have the little midi that they played, or whatever it was. All right, well, that's Wayne's homework, is to get together his Dirty Dozen, and for you guys to put together yours, and then help Wayne with his. And then I will also be posting a list of the winning Battletech game ideas once again either in the show notes or in the show discussion thread but look for that if not right when the show releases then at least within 24 hours of the show releasing since getting this thing edited and out there is my number one priority but uh beyond that i think we're good so have a great week and great games don't forget to check the show notes not just for the uh battle tech and 
Power Rangers stuff, but also for the Blades in the Dark drive through RPG early access thing that will get you all the way to the final product. So with that all settled, have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. May the power protect you. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2016. Listeners are free to use this show in any non-commercial endeavor as long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the Pulp Gamer Media Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at pulpgamer.com.